that always had a, a message about Father's for Father's Day and always had one about Mother's for Mother's Day and always had one about Christmas for the service for Christmas. I, it's just never been that way for me, and I don't know why. <clears throat> but today, I want to talk about Christmas. I want to say a few things before we get into the Scripture. Uh, I want to say, first of all, that... Christianity has taken a lot of things about Christmas and gotten really hard-nosed about it, okay? Uh, one thing that a lot of Christians are hard-nosed about is uh, Christmas trees. I remember when I first got into church, man, uh, I got the Holy Ghost in September, and Christmas just a couple months away, and they had a tree farm out by us, and I had been locked up so many years of my life, and... One thing you do with holidays when you're locked up is you internalize them. It's just another day. You have to deal with them like they're another day if you're going to be able to serve your time. Because it's Christmas, you're by yourself, you're not with your family. It's, you know, all the holidays are that way, so you internalize them. So when I got out in, in September 1992, and then I got the Holy Ghost in November, and then Christmas was December, we went to the tree farm. I had a whole lot of Christmases tucked away in there that had to get out. I didn't know anything about all this stuff about, you know, a lot of apostolic people were against Christmas trees because there's a verse that says the heathen will bring a tree in the house and decorate it and worship under it. And I didn't know any of that. All I knew is I wanted a Christmas tree. And I went out and got one. And every year, if I couldn't, if I could get my arms to where my hands would turn, it was too little. It had to be a tree like this. You can ask Kitty. We wound up living in the back of a church building in the city we were pastoring in, and those fall, those uh, uh, ceilings were 12 feet tall, and that Christmas I had to cut the tree down to get it to fit. Because I loved the spirit of Christmas. I hadn't had it in so long. But I want to tell you, that scripture in the Bible that talks about trees says that they bring them in, they decorate them, and they worship them. I don't worship no Christmas tree. Never did. I liked the lights and the tree, and I was making up for all the ones I didn't have because for some reason they didn't sell them on commissary in the penitentiary. Right. <laughs> I don't know how they overlooked that. I mean, everybody knew it was Christmas, right? Amen. There ain't nothing wrong with that. And I, some people get bent out of shape because they say, well, you know, Jesus' birthday wasn't even this time of year. I don't care. What do I care? You know why I like Christmas? Because Jesus gets more PR this time of year than he does any other time of year, even Easter. His name gets used more for good reasons this time of year than any other time of year. So anything that brings him glory in any way, I'm all for. I like it. Just don't forget why Christmas is here and get mean in the store trying to get that last tickle my elbow or whatever it is that's popular this year. <laughs> And when that little blue-haired lady runs that shopping cart halfway up the back of your leg, keep a good spirit. Because I promise you, she will, and she's going to act like it was an accident. Amen. Them little blue-haired ladies are mean at Christmas. I'm just telling you right now. I am a target. You can ask Kitty. They, they come at me. I don't know why. They come at me. <laughs> but try this year to get rid of the pressure. Why should you have to do anything for Christmas? You didn't do nothing for Christmas. Why should all the pressure be on you at Christmas? You didn't have to do anything at Christmas. If there's pressure, then it's misguided. It should be none. 
And if there's pressure to get any particular child, regardless of the age, a perfect toy, or else you're going to have a terrible Christmas, then that child probably needs the wrong toy anyway, so they get a better perspective of what Christmas is. Be nice at Christmas. Let's keep Jesus in the season. Twelve months a year, you think. I want to talk about a couple things today. You're going to be out of your day fastest you ever been out. That's the way I feel right now. I want to talk about Christmas. What? Why? And who? See, we got the what and why. And I'm going to focus today on the who. I'm more than one this people. I'm more than one God, people. I don't get talked about a lot. So when I get a chance, I love to. And Christmas is when we really ought to know who we're worshiping. God didn't love us so much that Him and the Son stood up in heaven and looked down and said, Man, look at the mess they're in. And the Father said, Yeah, I love them so much. You go die for them, son. Don't even make any sense. So I want to talk a few minutes later about Christmas. What? Ready for this? Revelation? Not the book of Revelation. Don't anybody turn to Kitty was moving. What? Christmas. What is it? Jesus Christ, born unto a virgin, God joins his creation that's what it is god came down and entered into the creation that he had made that's what it is the question is why man look the closest thing i can relate this to is being the age that i am now and knowing about certain things that that hurt and and certain activities that cause pain later that before when I was younger I could do that I forgot I'd done, let alone did not hurt over them. But now that I'm older and I'm familiar with some of the aches and pains of aging, <laughs> if I was younger again and I knew about this and I had a choice to stay young and strong and not have any of those aches and pains of old age, of course I would choose to stay young and strong and have no aches and pains that come with aging. But here's God Almighty. Not limited by anything. He knows no limit. He fills all. He is all. He made all. He was before all. He's during all. He will be after all. He didn't know what pain was on the inside. He didn't know what discouragement was on the inside. He didn't know what hunger was on the inside. And this almighty God had a choice. And he made the choice to put skin on and to know what all that is. When I, if I had a choice, wouldn't know what arthritis is. Hello? I wouldn't know what any of the aches and pains of old age is if I had a choice. If I could stay young forever, I would choose that. God is God forever, but he could have chose to be God without skin forever and never know any of this. See, the why of Christmas, man had a sin problem and God had a skin problem. 
Man had sin that couldn't be answered for by animals. And for thousands of years, every year they would meet at the temple and offer animals for sacrifice for their sin. Only when they did, the sin was never washed away. It was just pushed ahead a year, waiting for us to get there next year and bring in another offering and push that ahead along with whatever we had added in the previous year. So every year, the things that got pushed ahead grew and grew and grew. But never was a sin forgiven. Never was a sin forgotten. Because animal blood could not heal sin. It took God blood to forgive sin. And God had a blood problem because He didn't have none. God is spirit, spirit ain't got any blood. Man had a sin problem, God had a skin problem. Man had sin, God didn't have no skin. And He needed skin to have God blood to shed so sins could be forgiven. So that's why God said, I'm going to put on skin so I can have blood to shed. I'm going to live to die. Matthew 1 and 21. Matthew 1 and 21, and then we're going to go to Isaiah 9. Once we get in Isaiah, we'll be there in a minute. 121, brother. 121, brother. Thank you. Welcome, sir. Matthew 1 and 21. So why did Jesus come? She shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for or because he shall save his people from their sins. Save His people from their sins. <clears throat> he had to shed blood. Isaiah 9 and 6. Who is Christmas? Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. 9 and 6. Now, when he first starts out, Isaiah just says a child is born. That's a pretty generic, pretty general statement. We got a child that's born. We don't know what it is. We don't know where it's born or what it's born for. But then he starts to specify it. He says, we have a child that's born, and unto us is a son given. So then he gets specific. This child is a son, and this child is given. It's not just born. It's a gift. Okay? What is the gift that this child is? The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called. Now we know who this child is. This child is Jesus. This child's name is Jesus. So when it says his name shall be called, it's saying the name Jesus shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Wait. What? 
the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now we're talking about the child, we're talking about Jesus. And it says that this child's name shall be called the mighty God. Not a mighty God, not the mighty God's son. His name shall be called the mighty God. His name is Jesus. Jesus literally means Jehovah Savior. So the name Jesus is called the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Now look at this. He's called the everlasting Father, and in the same sentence they call him the Prince of Peace. This Jesus is both a father and a prince. Because the father's usually the king, is he not? He usually is. But here we have somebody that seems to have more than one role, more than one office, more than one title. Because he is the father, the everlasting father. Okay, everlasting means he always was, always is, and always will be. Everlasting means it's never going to end, and there never was a beginning. Now about God the Father, that makes perfect sense. But if you want to say God the Father's here, and then Jesus the Son is here, and then the Holy Ghost dove is over here, well now we've got a problem with this verse, because this verse says that this Jesus, this Son, His name is called the Everlasting Father. The Mighty God. Jesus is God in the flesh. God didn't tell God Jr. to come and die for glory. God said, I'm going to come and die for glory. Now, I need you to understand this, though. This doesn't mean that we believe in Jesus only. No, we believe in Jesus everything. Not Jesus only. We believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, and we believe in the Holy Ghost, right? But we don't believe that the Father is here, and the Son is here, and the Holy Ghost is here, and anytime there's a big decision, they have to have a Zoom call. We don't believe that. We believe here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, capital L. And then later in the book of Acts, Peter says... God has made that same Jesus both Lord, capital L, and Christ. Jesus is God in the flesh. Amen, brother. The Son will be born. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign, 7 and 14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Notice it does not say name him Emmanuel. It says call his name Emmanuel. Mm. Well, okay, that's cool. That's interesting. 700 years later, in Matthew 1 and 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Keep a finger in Isaiah because we're going back. Matthew 1 and 23, 700 years after Isaiah says that they will call his name Emmanuel. 1 and 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child 
and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name, guess what? Emmanuel. But now they add a little more information, Lori, because they go on to say that Emmanuel being interpreted is God with us. So in Isaiah, 700 years ago, Isaiah said that they're going to call his name Emmanuel, and he don't say nothing else. 700 years later, Matthew 1 and 23, they said call his name Emmanuel, and Emmanuel means God with us. Now they're talking about Jesus. And they didn't say Emmanuel means the Son of God with us. They didn't say that Emmanuel means one-third of God or a part of the Godhead. It says Emmanuel means God, capital G, with us. Isaiah 45, 21. 45, 21. 45, 21. Thank you, brother. You'd be rough bingo, boy. 4521. 4521. Now, at the risk of causing someone some confusion, I want to throw this out there. Most people in the in any Christian faith today that that believes in the Trinity, most people that believe in the Trinity believe that the Trinity just means Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's really what they believe. They don't believe that the Trinity means that God's over here and God's kingdom's over here and the dove's over there. They really don't. They do not know that the real definition of Trinity is exactly that though. The real belief in the Trinity is that God the Father is one, God the Son is another, and God the Holy Ghost is a third one, and they're all three different persons. And yet they're all one. That's a little confusing. <laughs> now, I mean, these three sit close, and they all might be one right now. I look like they get along. You might last a little while longer. I see a spark of her. But the three separate persons. I mean, just because they're getting along right now, don't mean they're one person. They are three separate persons. These three separate persons can be one if they agree to eat the same thing after church. They can be one in their mind if they agree to go to the same restaurant after church. They can be one in mind if they agree to like the same things outside or like the same sports team or go shop the same store. They can be of one mind, but they cannot be one person because clearly they are three separate people. And the real definition of Trinity is that God is three separate persons that are somehow still one. So when we say we don't believe in the Trinity, this is important. When we say we don't believe in the Trinity, we're not saying we don't believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. What we're saying is we don't believe they're all separate and they're three different people that are somehow still one. That's what we mean. Okay? Now, this is why we believe this. Isaiah 45 and 21. Tell you and bring them near. Yeah. Let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? Are you ready for this? I love this verse. And there is no 
beside me. Now I want you to look up here just for a second. This is what God did right there. He went, no God. No God. That's exactly what he meant. I am God and there ain't no God on my left and there ain't no other God on my right. Now look what else he says. I am a just God. That means I'm a good God. I'm a fair God. And look what he says. And I am a Savior. Right. Capital S. See, that capital S made it proper. That capital S, we're not just talking about a Savior. Like a man, boy, that guy just saved that cat from getting run over. He was that cat's Savior. That'd be a little S. No, God said, I am a Savior. Capital S. You know what that means? That means my name. Oh, brother. The Savior. God's name is Jesus. <laughs> Look what he says. There is none beside me. No dove. No God Junior. None beside me. 44 and 6. Same book. Same book. 44 and what? 44 and 6. Finally got him. 44 and 6. Thus saith the Lord, King of Israel, His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Well, he's stuck on this, ain't he? And beside me, what is God's problem? He's hung up on beside. You know why I got hung up on saying over and over and over again there ain't no God next to him? Because he knew there was going to come a bunch of people one day that were going to try to teach people there was a God next to him. And he said, there is no God beside me. 43 and 10. You are my witnesses, 43 and 10 saith the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Look what He says. Before me, there was no God for. I like this one. Neither shall there be after me. Well, the Father always comes before the Son in every country, in every race, in every creature. The Father comes before the Son. So if the Son was another God or a third of a triune God, then the Father would not be able to say there is no God created after me because the Son would have to come after the Father. There is only one God. John 1. Christmas. Who is it? John 1. John 1. <clears throat> what verse, brother? About half of you already quoted the first three verses of that in the end. And Stacy went ahead and jumped down to 14. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. 
The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. The very first verse in the Bible says, In the beginning, God created. And we've got a verse right here saying that all things were made by the Word. Well, the Word was God. Makes sense. Without Him was not anything made that was made. What nothing made that the Word didn't make. The Word is God. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Some of them did. Some of the people in the darkness comprehended what was going on. Some of the people understood who He was. But the light shined in that darkness, and they didn't understand. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. Boy, I wish we could teach that to preachers today. John was not the light. The preacher is not the light. The pastor is not the light. The preacher, the pastor is not the boss. God is the light. God is the boss, and He's the one the preacher is supposed to draw all the light to. The God of the pulpit, not the pulpit of the preacher. He was not that light, but He was sent to bear witness of that light. And that was the true light which lighteth every man that comes into the world. He's talking about the force of life. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He was in the world, the world was made by Him, and the world didn't even know Him. I lived 27 years without knowing my Creator. He came unto His own, His own received Him not. Now you're the king of glory and you put skin on it. All of a sudden you know what it is to be hungry. You know what it is to be cold. You know what it is to hurt. You know what it is to have limitations. You know what it is to have weaknesses. You've never known any of these things before in your life. And you do all that to come amongst your creation because you love them so much. And you get there and they don't even recognize you. Now I know he's God Almighty, but I have to ask myself sometimes... If he hadn't have been God, could he have possibly been prepared for that? Didn't even know him. Then he said, out of all creation, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. That means he even came as a Jew. He said, I'm going to step into the human race, and then I'm going to step into the Jewish family, then I'm going to step into David's family, because I made a promise to him. And then he gets there, and not only does all the world that he created, none of it know who he is, but then the very people that he chose to be his don't even know who he is. And I want to tell you something today. By the time he showed up, they had 400 years to do nothing but study. Because there wasn't nobody talking. There wasn't no miracles going on. Wasn't nothing happening. All they did was study, study, study. And still yet, when he gets there, none of them recognized him. They studied all that time and it didn't count for nothing. They received him not. Look at here. As many as received him, for them gave you power to become the sons of God. Now this is a whole other Bible study with that verse all by itself. 
We just, the Bible just destroyed the doctrine of just receive Jesus and you're saved. Look at this. As many as received him, according to modern religion, the next part ought to say, got saved. Hello? As many as received him, get saved. That's what they say. But look what the Bible says. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. That means that just made them eligible to become the sons of God. Right. Even to them that believe on his name. They're not talking about just believing that Jesus is his name. They're talking about believing that you have to have his name. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And look at this one. This is the clincher. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus. So the Word was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus. So the Word was God. Jesus is God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now here's what I want to leave you with today. Since Christmas is who it is, it's God. Christmas means victory for mankind. It means victory over death, hell, and the grave. Christmas means that God has made the power of the Holy Ghost available to us to be able to tread on the devil's head. Christmas means God has given us power not only to fend the devil off, but to do some damage and even get a little payback. challenge this week. I want to challenge you during this week that's coming up if Christmas is who it is, it's God among us and God with us and God has made God power available to us then I'd like you to spend this next week asking yourself what you would like for Christmas. I want you to understand what I'm at, what I'm asking, what, what I'm saying to you right now. If Christmas is God coming to earth, coming to man, coming to his creation, redeeming his creation, but then making some power available to us to change some things, then I challenge you this week to ask yourself, what is it that you want changed? What is it that you need God? To change in your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me.
One thing that I talk a lot about is I talk about the fact that that when we are equipped and we are we are able that we are going to be a group of people that go and make a difference in some places. And we make a difference in some people's lives. And all that is fantastic. All that is great. But there's a big difference between merely helping somebody with a warm bowl of soup. And I'm telling you, I can remember times where I would have given up just about anything in my possession for a nice hot bowl of soup. So that is a big deal. But there's a difference between being the kind of people who can give somebody a bowl of soup and being the kind of people that can give somebody a bowl of soup and tap into the power to change somebody's life right on the spot. But before all that starts out there, before we go into the fields out there to offer that to somebody else, this has got to become something that is for us. It doesn't make any sense for us to venture out into those fields out there and try to bring that power of God to somebody else's life to make a difference for them if we have left ourselves out. So I'm asking you today, what do you want for Christmas? And that ain't got a thing to do with Walmart. It's got to do with the one that put on skin to come down here. The one that made Christmas. Because, Lori, if you'd have been the only one and only had one thing you needed help with, he still would have done the same thing just for you. For one problem. But we can get used to our problems. We can learn to deal. And that's good. you got to be tough. You better learn how to deal with problems. But don't become so accustomed to them, you just accept them and keep them forever. I'm asking you today, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want God to change? What do you need God to add? I'm not going to spend ten minutes trying to guess what it is for you. I'm just going to tell you that that God is here right now. Even if I didn't spend 45 minutes screaming at the top of my lungs and turning red, He's still God. And He's right here right now. And if you need something changed, I'm not just going to tell you He can. I'm going to tell you wants to. I'm going to ask you right now, last, a last ask. What is it you need God to change? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You need Him to change something. And we're going to pray. And if you want to or need to come down here, and let me put a hand on you and pray for you. I would be thrilled to. But I want you to know right now, God can change that thing right now. I'm not talking about waiting 30 days to see a difference. I'm talking about a God that can change that thing right now. Yes. So we're going to pray together for God to make that change. If you don't have your hand there, please pray for the ones that do. And if you need to come down here to get prayed for, please do. 
Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank You, Lord, that You are Almighty God. And I thank You, Father, You loved us enough to put skin on and come down here. You loved us enough to, to get blood and then to give blood. And I thank You for that, Father. But Lord, right now, Your people need You, God. I ask You right now, Father, on this Christmas, Lord, I ask You to change whatever it is that Your people need You to change today. I ask you, Father, to move in their lives, God, in a mighty way, Lord, and do only what you can do, Father. I speak the name of Jesus right now. I speak it over Nelson and everything and everybody he loves. I speak it over Jimmy and over Stacy. I speak it over Nathan, over Kitty, over Lori today, Father. I speak it over everybody with their hands in the air today, God. And I ask you, Lord, to change it, Lord. Show yourself mighty in their lives, Father. I ask you, Lord, today, God, to do that thing only you can do, Father God. Jesus. Young Mr. Gabriel, you either have a date coming up that you already know about that's real important, some decision going to be made. If you don't know about it, I'm just going to tell you, there is one. And there's going to be a decision that's going to be made that's going to affect you, and it's a big one. So we're going to pray over that right now, okay? God wants to know He's got it. You hear me? He's got you, dude. <laughs> Lord, I thank you, Father, for loving Gabriel so much. I thank you, Lord, that whatever this decision is, whatever this day is, Lord, you're already there. You already got it covered, and you just wanted Gabe to know you're in it. You got him, and I thank you for that, Father. Lord, Move on this young man's behalf, God. Let it all turn out in his favor for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Nelson, 2022, dude. I'm not going to say another word. Okay? Hey, Nelson, 2022. Ah! I worship you today, Father, and I thank you, Lord. Bless my brother today, God. Yes. Glory, Jesus. Glory, Jesus. Glory, Lord. Glory, Lord. I worship you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody need to have hands laid on you? Need prayer, I'm going to ask you to come. Ask Jimmy and Stacy to do us a Christmas song if they would. If you need prayer, come on up. If you don't, just love on Jesus. Oh, Lord. Lord, I speak the name of Jesus over my young brother, right? I speak the name of Jesus over Nathan, right? Because of everything in his life to do. I ask you, Father, to do what only you can do. Ask you to bless my Lord.
I pray, Lord, for every need that was mentioned today, that as you move in those situations, Father, that all of us would give you glory for it. I ask you today, Lord, to show yourself mighty in the lives of your people. Keep them safe and sound this week, Father. And I pray, Lord, for all those people that this week, as every day gets closer to Christmas, Lord, to get more miserable, get more down, to get more depressed, Father. I ask you, Lord, to visit them. I ask you, God, to visit them with daylight, with sunshine, peace, God. I ask you, Lord, to cause one of us to cross paths with them, Father. Yes, Lord. The smile would make all the difference in their day, Lord. Yes, Lord. I pray today, this Christmas, Father, that you would bless our families, Lord. And every one of us that have family members, God, that never knew you, or got family members that have walked away, we pray, Father, that this Christmas, Lord, this would be the year, God, to give their lives to you. I ask you to bless your people this week, God, for your glory. Everybody said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, thank you for your patience today. Have an awesome Christmas. I hope you get all kinds of good stuff. And if you have too much candy, bring it in. I'll help you with it. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have an awesome Christmas, everyone. Thank you.